0: Hello, I'm Josh Kugel. This is a different kind of episode of Thrive and the Decline. But a lot of what we talk about in this show is how to do well while the culture around you is falling apart. To find hope while people fight and struggle in hopelessness. And how to find God when so many are self-obsessed and lost in sin. And I think part of that is looking for and expecting to see God moving in the low spots of your life, the valleys, the I mean, not just like many do when you abandon hope when things go wrong, but but do you remember the story of Joseph? His brothers, his literal family almost killed him, but instead they sold him into slavery. He ended up in prison. Years later, he had the opportunity to confront his brothers. I mean, these were the people he should have been able to trust, his family. He had all the power now, and he could finally make things right. He could throw his brothers into prison for what they did. He could make them pay for all those years that they robbed from him. But he said, guys, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And get that, it was awful that they sold him into slavery. It hurt Joseph, and I can't imagine God was honoring that. But God took that awful thing that brothers did to a brother and literally saved his people from famine through it and brought them into a place where they would grow into a great nation with everything they needed before bringing them back to the promised land through it. God took a bad and made something great from its ashes. And he does that. And people who thrive in the decline of their culture look for God moving in their low spots. They don't give up. They don't give in. They don't abandon hope. They assume God is working and work to find what he's doing. So, I want to tell you a story about one of the hardest times of my life, and where I think God was during that time, and what I think God was doing through that time. It was about 26 years ago. I was 22, 23 years old. I'd been married to my wife for just a few years, and the time was right. I mean, you know it. We'd already had two dogs and been really good with them. We knew that we were ready. We're ready to have a baby and become the perfect family, right? Right? And we had done everything right. We had waited till marriage. We were in church multiple times every week. We were living for Jesus. And I had even gotten a religion degree and everything. (laughs) In that place, and when you're young and bright-eyed, you don't think things can go wrong. And I hadn't even allowed myself to consider something going wrong. So we began to try to have a baby. And in just maybe two to three months, the pregnancy test came back positive. It was incredible news Everything was going great and we couldn't wait to tell the world. So we started calling everyone. We told family, we told people at church, we told everybody at work, and everybody was so excited with us. We started buying baby things, we put together rooms and plans for baby proofing and yards and school and even making college plans. I mean, we were ready and everything was perfect. In just nine short months, we would be the perfect family. And when you're new parents, you buy books and do research and you save all the the things and write things down. And we were reading and checking out books. We were making appointments and talking to experienced parents. Everything was perfect. My wife had gone to a few appointments and then one day, well, I don't think I knew anyone who had had a miscarriage before. I mean, I'm sure I did, but either no one had told me about theirs or if they told me I hadn't paid attention. It's actually fairly common to have a miscarriage but I'm not sure people talk about them enough. So near the end of the first trimester, my wife told me that she had seen some blood. We called the doctor's office, who reassured us that we were probably fine, but asked us to come in and have an ultrasound. I I didn't know what to think. See, I knew that everything was still fine, but there we were. Maybe we would at least be able to see if we were having a boy or a girl. (laughs) So the ultrasound tech, when we got there, was really nice. And she began to look around She began to type some things in, and then she took a deep breath. And I asked her, because I could tell, I asked her what was wrong. She looked a little more, moved the little instrument around, and then she finally sighed pretty, pretty loud. She said, I have to get the doctor. I said, wait, why? And she said, I can't tell you. Later, I realized that she was just the tech and the kind of news that she now had to deliver was above her pay grade. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. Maybe the baby was too small. Maybe she had discovered that we're having twins. But as I worried and I held my wife, I knew what had really happened. I started thinking of how this could happen. I mean, I really didn't know of anyone else who had lost their baby this way, and I started to pray and we started to cry. And the doctor took forever to come in. We waited, we were holding each other. I think we both knew what had happened. When the doctor finally came in, I don't remember a thing that he said, only that our baby had no heartbeat. It was bad enough that we miscarried, but we also had to schedule something called a DNC, a dilation and curatage. Essentially, what they do is they have to remove the contents of my wife's uterus. About 50% of women who miscarry don't need them. For the other 50, or at least for us, it just added to the pain that we had already lost our baby, and now we have to go through this. And I'm sure he was a boy. I was really lost during this time. I, I can't remember a lot. Things were changing fast for me. I had done everything right, but now we may never have kids. I mean, obviously that wasn't true, but you start entertaining some really dark thoughts at times like these. One of the worst for me was that because I hadn't known anyone who had miscarried, I began to wonder over and over and over, why were we the ones who did? And sadness turned to anger very quickly. So we made an appointment. We went to the hospital. They were getting my wife ready for surgery, and one of the nurses, I'm sure she wasn't thinking about how this sounded to us, but kept calling what we had a missed abortion. In my head, I was screaming at her to stop. She kept saying it. Maybe technically what she was saying made sense, but we wanted our baby, and we still did. Up until this procedure where they were going to scrape and all that, I was still praying frantically for God to save our baby's life. I mean, maybe he was just in the wrong place inside of her when they were doing the ultrasound. Maybe his heart just wasn't detected because of an equipment malfunction. I was lost. And while my wife was in surgery, we had already called our parents and told them, but I sat and thought of all the people we had told, that we were having a baby and now we were going to have to tell each one that we were no longer expecting. And a miscarriage is different. With a born baby, with with a child, with an adult, with a dog, with a cat, everyone sees the loss. What was there is now gone. Our baby was just as real to us as if he had been born and we had held him, but he was inside of my wife, so I don't think anyone else gets how bad this hurts. After surgery, we went home, and we cried. And we told some people at our church, and our pastor came over the next day. He was useless. (laughs) I mean, he was a friend of mine, and I liked him and all, but he had no kids. He was new to ministry. He didn't know what to say. And we sat on the bed in our room, and he read some scripture and told me he was sorry. And I remember after he left feeling so empty I was upset. I was angry. Everything that I had wanted for our lives was now in question. I wondered where God was in all of this. I mean, I had lived for him. I had done everything right, and this is where I end up. I mean, you really do start entertaining some very dark thoughts at times like these. During this time, I had a couple of jobs that I worked, and one of them was at UPS overnight, where I sorted packages. Right after our ultrasound appointment, I had called into work, and I told my supervisor why, and he told me, go ahead and take a few days. A day or two after the surgery, I let him know that I'd be coming in to work again that night, and I remember this part really well, because I was still feeling lousy. I mean, I had still, we had still lost our baby. We had still had our hopes and dreams crushed. At UPS, you have to walk through a security checkpoint to get in. Now, our shift had hundreds of workers everywhere, and our shift had one main boss, and I don't know that I knew him, and I thought there was no way he knew me. I mean, I was a peon, right? But for the first time since I had started working there over a year earlier, he was standing at the security checkpoint when I came in. I showed my badge to the guard, and I walked past the checkpoint, and the shift supervisor followed me. I remember thinking this is the weirdest thing ever. I mean, (laughs) this is the head of the whole shift. He's probably in his fifties. Between me and him, there's probably four to five levels of supervision and he's following me. Josh, he says. I turned around, yes? Wondering how in the world he knew my name. He put his arm around me and he pulled me in a little. And he started to walk me to the building. And he said, Josh, I heard what happened to you. And I said, yeah. And he said, I know it's painful and I'm really sorry. My wife and I had one years ago and I didn't think we were going to make it. And then he told me that he's been praying for me. And if I ever needed a thing, anything, he would do everything he could to make sure I got it. And I don't know how to describe to you how empty I was until that point. I know it's silly to think this, but I thought that no one else had had anything like this happen to them. I don't know how he found out either. He didn't know who I was. I imagine my supervisor told him, but dozens of people call in every night. Why on earth would my supervisor tell the shift boss that? But I'm sure somehow it got to him, and then he must have asked each day if anybody had heard that I was coming in that night. And, And then when they told him I was, he must have been waiting and waiting for me to arrive at the security checkpoint. This was the head of the whole shift. My boss's boss's boss, or more. And I remember when he put his arm around me and he told me that. I remember then my questions stopped and my doubting stopped. And my sorrow, though it was still there, seemed to make way for something else. And I just remember feeling like I was no longer alone. Like I wasn't singled out. I think, I I believe that God, who knows what it's like to lose his own son, showed up for me in that man that night. And I had been praying and I had been angry and I had felt so empty, but in just the right way, in just the right words, God helped me to see that I'm still loved and still cared for and still have a future and our baby is in good hands. I'm sure there's a lot of theology we should talk about when we wonder where God is in times like these, but for me, I knew. I knew. He was right there with me. Thanks for listening. We'll do this again soon.